Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. You know, John 8, 32 says, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So only the truth, believing, practicing the truth, will make us free from sin. False religious teaching won't do it. That's why we emphasize the truth of the gospel, what the Bible actually teaches on this program. Jesus said in John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. So the Bible, God's word, defines for us what the truth is. Now in mathematics, as we're wont to say on this program, two plus two can't equal four and five at the same time. Well, the same thing is true about religious truth. You can't have two different preachers teaching totally contrary things. One teaching you have to be immersed for baptism, one teaching that sprinkling will suffice, and both of them be right. Not any more than two plus two can be four and five at the same time. They both can't be right. Only the truth will set us free from sin, John eight thirty two. That's why it's so important that we follow the truth, that we believe and follow the truth, the truth of God's word. Appreciate you listening. As the announcer said, if you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-7000. If you have a Bible question or comment, the lines are wide open right now. Give us a call at 877-655-6755. While we're waiting on our first call, I thought we'd talk about unsaved believers. You know, to hear many teach what the Bible says, there should be no such thing as an unsaved believer in the Bible because most teach that all you got to do to be saved is believe in Christ. If that's all you got to do to be to be saved is believe in Christ, then there would be no such thing in the Bible as an unsaved believer because all believers would be saved. But we can find a number of examples in the New Testament of unsaved believers, believers who are not saved. That should tell us right there that just believing in Jesus is not enough to being saved because we have examples in the Bible of people who were believers in Christ but were not saved. Don't continue to just swallow what your preacher tells you when he tells you that all you got to do is accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior to be saved, meaning by that all you got to do is believe in Jesus to be saved. Don't swallow that. Check what the Bible says to see if it is so. Steve from Illinois, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yeah, my question is, what do you consider the mark of the beast in the book of Revelation to be? And I'll hang up and listen to you on the phone, uh, on the radio. Okay, thank you for your call. The mark of the beast in the book of Revelation. First of all, whatever the mark of the beast is, it's not talking about something today. Okay, because notice a passage like Revelation chapter one, verse one. Revelation chapter one, verse one says the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant, John. So the book of Revelation is a prophetic book talking about. The uh, things that were to shortly come to pass, not longly. 
So it's talking about things that were going to be fulfilled in the first century time frame, not things in our day or things future to us. But the things, for the most part, that the book of Revelation is prophesying about were things shortly to come to pass that came true. They were fulfilled in the first century time frame. And that only makes sense. The book of Revelation was written to these people back then. And it makes sense that it meant something to them. (laughs) It meant something to them. So when the Bible talks about the mark of the beast in Revelation, it's going to mean something to them. It's going to be talking about something that occurs in the first century time frame. That's not something that occurs in 200 A.D., then again in 500 A.D., and then again in 700 A.D. (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. Revelation chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. When you say something is at hand time-wise, you mean it's the same things we read in verse 1, shortly to come to pass. Uh, shortly to come to pass. And then let's go to Revelation. I believe it's chapter 22, verse 15. Um, no, verse 10, Revelation 22, 10. So we saw two verses, the first verse in the book of Revelation, the third verse in the book of Revelation, saying the things in this book that are prophesied will be fulfilled in at, they're at hand, shortly come to pass. Verse 10 says, at the end, in the last chapter, it says, And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. So at the beginning of the book of Revelation, at the end of the book of Revelation, it basically says these things are going to be fulfilled in the first century time frame. The time is at hand, close to the time it was written, shortly to come to pass. So when people try to fancify everything, Make uh, speculation, sensationalize everything in the book of Revelation and say all of these things are something happening in our lifetime. They're not paying attention to when the book of Revelation said it's going to be fulfilled. Shortly to come to pass, that means for the most part, the book of Revelation was fulfilled in the first century time frame. If you believe what God says about it, that's what you'll believe about it. If you want to believe people who are just making stuff up in order to try to sell a book to make a dollar, and they're going to tell you that this, that, or the other in our in our society is the mark of the beast, and that's how they're going to sell their books. But they're not going to read to you Revelation 1, verse 1, Revelation 1, verse 3, Revelation 22, 10, that say these things were to be fulfilled in that time frame. Now, Revelation 16, verse 2 says, And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth, and there went fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the man, men, which had the mark of the beast, and upon them which worshipped his image. So there the Bible talks about the mark of the beast, but it doesn't tell us what the mark of the beast is, as far as I can tell. Revelation 19, verse 20 says, And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and then that worshipped his image, Then both both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. So the mark of the beast doesn't tell us what the mark of the beast is. I remember when I was much younger, President Gorbachev, the president of the Soviet Union, had a big birthmark on his forehead. And people said, well, that's the mark of the beast. Well, (laughs) people just make stuff up. The Bible mentions the mark of the beast in both of these places. It doesn't really tell us what it is. But... uh, 
<coughs> Steve, are you still on the line? Let me see. Steve's back on the line. Steve, did you have any follow-up to this? Steve, did you have any follow-up? Okay. So we t- we see a couple of places that mention the mark of the beast. Doesn't tell us what the mark of the beast is. And besides, three verses in the book of Revelation, two at the beginning and one at the end to say these things were to be fulfilled during the time frame of the first century time frame when the book was written. So don't expect to find the mark of the beast being fulfilled today. Whatever it was talking about, and it doesn't tell us it was, what it was talking about, whatever it was talking about was fulfilled in the fulfilled in the first century time frame. Don't try to make stuff up in the Bible just to sell a book. So we're talking about unsaved believers. And by the way, if you have a Bible question or comment, please give us a call at 877-655-6755. If you want to come on the air, ask a Bible question or make a Bible comment, give us a call, 877-655-6755. We're talking about unsaved believers. In Acts 26, verses 27 and 28, Paul said, and I quote, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. So King Agrippa was a believer at this point, a believer in what the prophets taught specifically. And I quote, that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles, verses 22 and 23 of the same chapter. Now, surely, if someone could be saved by faith only, it would be Agrippa in this case, since the text says he believed in Jesus. But he obviously was not a Christian. He said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. He was obviously not saved. What did he lack yet? Perhaps Acts 18, verse 8 would clue us in the fact of what he lacked. There, that verse says, many of the Corinthians hearing believed were baptized. So Agrippa heard, he believed, according to the text in Acts 26, but he was not baptized. So he was not saved. Jesus said in Mark 16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So if a person believes like Agrippa, but is not baptized, he's not going to be saved. Clearly, King Agrippa in Acts 26 is an example of an unsaved believer. He believes, but he says, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. So he doesn't become a Christian. So all the preachers that are telling you all you have to do to believe is believe to be saved, they're wrong. They're teaching something different than what the Bible says. King Agrippa is an example of an unsaved believer. He believed in Christ, but he was not saved. Another example of unsaved believers is found in John 8, 30-31 in verse 44. It says, as he spake these words, many believed on him. Talking about Jesus. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, you are of your father, the devil. Here we have some people that the Bible says, God says. It's not that they were pretenders. It's not that just some men thought they were believers. <clears throat> but God said they were believers. Then the Bible says, Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him. So we have it said twice <clears throat> that these Jews believed on Christ. And Jesus said, you know what he said to them? You're of your father, the devil. So evidently, believing on Christ all by itself is not enough. These Jews believed on Christ, but they didn't commit to him. They didn't commit to follow him. 
So Jesus said, you're of your father, the devil. Obviously, they're not saved. Another example of unsaved believers. Now, the way most preachers would have have you think, they would think there could be no such thing as an unsaved believer because all you have to do to be saved is believe in Christ. But here we have a clear example. The Bible says God says they're believers, but they're clearly not saved. So obviously, you have to do more than just believe in Christ to be saved. You have to commit to Christ. You have to obey Christ. I think we can see that also from John 12, 42 and 43. We'll read that in just a moment. Let me mention, if you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. If you have a question about the topic tonight, unsaved believers, or any other Bible topic, we'll be glad to entertain your question or comment at 877-655-6755. John 12, 42 and 43 reads this way. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers, also many believed on him. Well, believed on who? Jesus. It goes on to read, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. So, looking at that passage, these believers, and they were believers in Christ. The Bible says that they were. God says that they're believers in Christ. These believers were not saved because they were not willing, as we said before, they were not willing to follow through on their belief by confessing and following Christ. They loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. And therefore, they knew that they were going to be put out of the synagogue if they believed in Christ. So even though they believed in Christ, they weren't willing to own up to it. They weren't willing to admit it. They weren't willing to follow through on that belief. Scared they'd be put out of the synagogue. A lot of people are like that today. They might hear the truth on maybe this radio program or somewhere else. They might hear the truth, but it's different than what they're being taught at the church they attend. They understand the truth. They're not willing to follow through on the truth that they've been taught. Why? Because they don't want to lose the position, the position uh, of, that they're in in their church. They know if they follow the truth, it will cause them to have to leave their church, the church they're in, because the church they're in not following the truth. Here we have some people like that. It's not exactly church. It was the synagogue. They weren't willing to follow the truth. They believed in Jesus, but they weren't willing to own up to it. They weren't willing to follow it because they would be put out of their church, the synagogue. Were they believers? The Bible says they were. Were they saved? Of course not. They weren't saved. Not only do you have to trust in Jesus, believe in Jesus, but you have to obey the gospel according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8. God's going to take, according to that verse, vengeance with flaming fire upon those that do not know God and those that do not obey the gospel. Not enough just to trust him, to know God, to believe in him. There is such a thing as unsaved believers. We're showing many examples of that on this program. So you have to not only believe in him, but you have to obey the gospel. Debbie from North Carolina, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Uh, yes, I was, I was listening to him, and he said that, and no, baby, in order to be saved, to you got to be a believer, and honey, don't, and um, be baptized. But the thief on the cross wasn't baptized, and Jesus told him that he would he'd be with him in paradise that day. And I'm, yeah, so he was. Debbie, baptized. you might you might want to turn your radio. I think having the radio okay. on in the background is, okay. is going to confuse you because it's got it's got a little bit of a delay on it. Okay. Okay. Now that's a good question, Debbie. 
But let me read you this passage and see what you think. I'm reading from Hebrews 9, 16 and 17. And Debbie, have you ever been in a will like with your parents or your grandparents? Do you know, you know how you might inherit something based upon the will of somebody who passes away, right? Uh-huh. Right. So like I have three brothers and us, my parents wrote their will in the 1970s, but us four brothers did not inherit what the will said we were going to inherit until they both had passed away which my mother passed away in 2010. And so that's, we all understand that you can be in a will of your parents, but you won't receive your inheritance until your parents die. Right, Debbie? Right. Now I think the, the writer of the book of Hebrews is using our knowledge of that situation. When he makes this point, I'm going to read for you Hebrews nine, 16 and 17. It says for where a Testament is. And remember actually a will, my parents will, the official name for it is the last will and testament of Kenneth and Janine Donahue, the last will and testament. This verse says, for where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. So what that's saying is, is that Jesus is the mediator of the New Testament, verse 15 but that his New Testament did not go into effect until after the death of the testator, which is Jesus Christ. Do you follow me? Uh Just like my parents' will, though written in the 1970s, didn't go into effect until my second parent died in 2010. Jesus' testament, Jesus' last will and testament, the New Testament law didn't go into effect until after his death. Now, the thief on the cross died before Jesus' New Testament law went into effect. Does that make sense? Um, so the, 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 yeah, because, the thief oh, yeah, on the cross. Jesus hadn't died yet. He hadn't died yet. Jesus, that's exactly right, Debbie. Jesus hadn't died yet. So the thief on the cross, he never lived under the law, the New Testament law that says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Jesus uh, didn't say that till many uh, days after the thief died. Uh, G- Acts 2.38 In the first, what we think is the first gospel sermon, Peter said, this is Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. Well, that was said many, many days after the thief died. Let me ask you this, Debbie. Do you ever remember reading about water baptism in the Old Testament? No. Well, yes. No? Yes. I mean, wait a minute. Um, Well, no, 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 no. I mean... It, it was after, after, oh gosh. That's right. You you can't, you can go from Genesis to Malachi and you'll never read about water baptism. And that's why Adam and Eve, they didn't have to be baptized to be saved, right? Right. Uh, Noah yeah. didn't have to be baptized to be saved. Abraham didn't have to be baptized to be saved. Moses didn't have to be baptized to be saved. The law they lived under never even mentioned baptism, much less required it. It's the same way as the, as the thief. The thief lived under the same law that Moses lived under. He didn't have to be baptized for the same reason Adam and Eve and Noah and Moses and Abraham. They didn't have to be baptized. But after Jesus died on the cross, his New Testament law came into effect. I believe it came into effect according to Luke twenty four forty seven, on the first Pentecost, on the day of Pentecost, after his death, after his resurrection, after he sent up to heaven. In Acts chapter 2, the New Testament law came into effect. And that's when people started having to be baptized to be saved. Okay? Yeah. 
Have you ever, do you remember 1 Peter 3.21, Debbie, that says, Baptism doth also now save you? I would encourage you to read the context of that verse, but do you think God okay, would what say... what is that? Let me write that down. 1 Peter 3.21. 1 Peter 3.21, okay. Do you think God would say, Debbie, baptism doth also now save you if a person didn't have to be baptized to be saved? No. No, that would be totally confusing, totally misleading. Do you remember the story of Saul of Tarsus? You remember how he, he was a, of the Jewish religion and he was persecuting yeah. Christians, right? Yes. Very zealous. Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus and he believed yeah. in Jesus, according to Acts chapter 9 and chapter 22. He believed in Jesus, but three days later, in Acts 22 verse 16, Debbie, Ananias told him, Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So Saul, who later became known as Paul, wrote practically half the books in the New Testament. We have his conversion account three times, Debbie, in the book of Acts. He, his sins were not forgiven when he believed. We all agree it's the blood of Christ that washes away our sins, Debbie. The question is when. Yeah. His sins were not washed away when he believed because three days later, Ananias told him to be baptized to get his sins washed away. Well, he didn't believe in Jesus, did he? I thought he just believed in God. That's why he was persecuting. Uh, well, he he just believed in God, but then right. Jesus appeared to him miraculously on the road to Damascus. Remember, he said, Saul, okay. Saul, why persecutest oh, yeah, thou me? Yeah, and Saul yeah. said, who art thou, Lord? Jesus yeah. said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Paul said, well, what do you want me to do? So at that point, you're right. At first, he only believed in God. And he was persecuting Christians. Then Jesus appeared to him miraculously on the road to Damascus. He believed in Jesus. He said, what do you want me to do, Jesus? After he believed in him, he said, you go into the city. It'll be told you what to do. Then Jesus sent Ananias to him to tell him what to do. And he told him to get baptized, to get his sins washed away. Oh. Acts, that's Acts 22, verse 16, by the way. Uh, let me see. Acts. Let me see. Acts. So you want to write down 1 Peter three twenty one, which you already wrote down. Acts twenty two yes. sixteen. Acts 2.38, Mark 16.16. Those are the four passages we've been over on this conversation. Okay. Um, well, well, let me let me ask you something now. I'm not on the radio, am I? Yes, you are, Debbie. Oh, am. <laughs> You're oh, live. <laughs> you, would you like to talk more about this later off the air? Well, yeah, I mean, it's not that I was going to say anything bad, but um, I probably don't. I'm probably not making a lot of sense because I'm, you know, I'm just trying to learn this. But mm -hmm. minute, Debbie, how about if I call you later and we'll try to figure okay. out a time we can talk about this off the air, okay? Okay, okay. I got your number. It begins with 336, right? Yes, yes. I'll try to call you later where we can talk about this in a little bit uh, less formal way, okay? Okay, thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate your call. You have a great, You had a great question, Debbie. Thank you for your call. All right, thank you. All right, bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Bye. We're going to have to go off the air in, in about three minutes. So if you want to get a call in very quickly, the number to call is 877-655-6755. If you have a Bible question, call us at 877-655-6755. We were talking about unsaved believers, and a lot of preachers say no, that would be impossible. All believers are going to be saved, so it would be impossible for there to be such a thing as an unsaved believer. But we just mentioned Paul talking to Debbie on the, on the, on the phone. In Acts 9, verses 5 and 6, in verse 9, we see that Paul became a believer in Christ. 
yet three days later, he was told to arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. So even though he was a believer, he was still in his sins and he needed to be baptized to get his sins washed away by the blood of Christ. So for three days, Saul was an unsaved believer. Then he got baptized and he became a saved believer, but not until he was baptized. Belief was not enough. One other example, if it's impossible for there to be such a thing as an unsaved believer, how do you explain the, the devils that believe? James 2.19 says the devils also believe and tremble. Well, there's another good example of an unsaved believer. The demons, the devils, they believe in Christ. They know he's the Christ, but they're not willing to follow the Christ. So all of the demons are unsaved believers. Now, most preachers, they would say it's impossible to be an unsaved believer because if you believe, you're going to be saved no matter what. But the devils and all these other examples of unsaved believers prove that's not true. You have to do more than just believe in Christ to be saved. You also have to obey him. Appreciate you listening. If you want to have a free one-hour phone Bible study with me at your convenience, call or text me at 256-682-9753. 